And I really want people to get comfortable with the idea of having all of these complex and challenging emotions connected to loss because it's normal. Welcome to She Speaks How She Does It, a podcast about inspiring women to speak up and be heard. I'm your host, Elisa Freud, the founder and CEO of She Speaks. Each week, we give an amazing woman the platform to share their knowledge and advice on a topic impacting women while sharing insights from our community of quarter of a million women. Listen in each week to be inspired to speak up and be heard. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're all having a great week so far this first week of August. This summer is just flying by. Uh, Today's episode, I think, is a good one for anyone who has ever had an occasion where they've had to deal with grief. And knowing that grief is actually something that can last for a very long time. It's not just this defined period of time. And when I talk about grief, I don't just mean grief of necessarily um, where you've lost a loved one. Of course, that is uh, somewhere where I think we very much have grief, but also recognizing that loss of a marriage could be grief, um, loss of a job that you loved. There are many just different ways that we experience grief. And today's guest is the author of Grief is Love, Living with Loss. Her name is Marissa Liebelson. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this conversation with Marissa, because we talked through what does grief mean? How long does it last? We have this expectation that grief has to be this defined period of time or has some sort of time parameter, and then you just kind of need to get over it. But what we talked about was the fact that grief can go on for a long time, but also recognizing that our grief can actually be a sign that we are are honoring what was lost. So there are so many really interesting insights that Marissa has about grief. And um, I hope you get as much out of this conversation as that I did. With that, we're going to jump right into it. Here we go. Marissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I can already tell this is going to be so fun. Well, you talk about a topic that (laughs) I think is... um, everyone deals with it at some point in life and and for many of us over long periods of time um and that is the topic of grief yep. uh i i i have so many things i want to ask you about this but maybe we can start first with how did you come upon this topic and decide to write a book about the topic of grief yes so i don't think this will be a big surprise for anyone but I came upon the topic because I was forced into grief myself. When I was 22, just getting ready to graduate from college, my mom, who already had multiple sclerosis, was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we knew it was unfortunately an immediate death sentence. And it was just a really complicated situation for my family to manage just given how sick she was. And so I spent a year after college at home helping my mom and dad trying to, you know, get my mom to a stable health place. And I then 
went into the workforce, you know, I was on Wall Street during the height of the financial crisis. My mom was mostly stable. And during that time, I continued to help support her care and basically do everything I could to prepare myself and my family for her death. You know, I had the spreadsheets, I had the lists, I knew what she wanted for her funeral, I knew what she wanted to do with her handful of things that she had to give away. You know, I, I really believed that I was prepared to lose her and that because I was prepared, it wouldn't be as hard for me as it might be for, you know, my dad, my sister, et cetera. And then it happened. And I, I've never been more wrong about anything in my life because the second that it happened, I, I just was immediately lost you know, everything that I learned, all the research I did, all of my lists, they were all mostly useless. And I had this idea about grief as something that, you know, was going to be really intense and really hard for, you know, maybe like two weeks, maybe three. And then months and months later, I was still suffering and struggling and, you know, having a hard time just being a human being in the world. And I thought there was something wrong with me. And then I finally hit this point. And I don't know, I, I cannot remember what pushed me to this place where I decided, you know what, there isn't anything wrong with me. Like where the problem sits is in how we think about grief and how we talk about grief. Like it's just not accurate or realistic. And so I decided in August of 2008 that I was going to write a book about grief that wouldn't just be super sad and depressing and that would accurately explain to people what grief is and what it looks like. And of course I planned for my book to be a New York times bestseller because why not? Um, fast forward to 2019 after years of dealing with infertility and all sorts of treatments and IVF with donor eggs and all of the things my husband and I lost a much wanted pregnancy late that year. And just like everyone else, a few months later, you know, I'm still recovering emotionally and psychologically from the loss and physically still dealing with stuff because, you know, miscarriage is a very physical experience, unfortunately. And I realized, you know, all I wanted was my mom. You know, the woman at that point had been dead for 12 years. And all I wanted was for her to like comfort, console, guide us, just just be there, right? And that's when I realized like, you don't get over these things. Like when these transformative moments happen in life, you know, whether it's the beginning of life and you have or adopt a child or the end of life and you lose someone you love, you don't get over it, you adapt. And you learn how to live with it. And that's what I decided I was going to do at that point. And I wrote an article about it. And people really felt that, you know, I think I think it was validating for a lot of people, this idea that you don't have to get over it, you just have to figure out what it looks like for you to live with this loss that has happened to you. Mm -hmm. And so that's how grief is love was born. Well, I am, I am so thankful that you have done this work and written this book because it is one of those things that 
I, I agree with you. We have a perception of what grief should be and how long it should last. I mean, even in religion, right? Um, you know, I'm Jewish yep. and in Judaism, there's a certain period of time that you grieve, you grieve this way, this amount of time, yep. and then you grieve this other way, this amount of time. But one of the things that um, I, I, I will say has been, you know, I lost my, my father in, in 2017 and I thought, oh, okay, there's like this month long thing that you grieve this, you know, seven days you grieve this day and then a month you grieve this way and then a year you grieve yeah. this way. So after a year, I should be, I'll be good. I'll be good. What is, what is wrong with that view of grief? Yeah. So first of all, I will say, I do think the Jewish faith does better than my own Christian faith, at least like establishing some set of norms around grieving and, you know, having people be with you. Mm -hmm. But fundamentally, I have come to define grief as the repeated experience of learning to live in the midst of a significant loss. And it took me a while to land on the specifics of that definition. And, you know, I'm a writer, I'm obsessed with words. Um, but that worked for me because, you know, at this point, I am almost 15 years out from the death of my mother. And there are things that happen, both positive, happy, joyful things, and, you know, challenges in life where I think, man, I really wish I had my mom, or, you know, I really either feel her presence or notice her absence, you know, from becoming a mom myself, you know, dealing with my first Mother's Day and having all of these mixed emotions around that. Even certain recipes or the way some things taste, like automatically bringing me back to a memory or a moment that I shared with her. And I don't think that's gonna stop happening. You know, like my kid is almost a year old and I'm sure I'll feel some kind of way when he actually does turn one. And then I'm sure I'll feel some kind of way when he starts school or when he's, you know, a jerk of a teenager or whatever, you know, like there, I, I just know that there are always going to be these things, even big moves, you know, we're getting ready for one together. And like, I just, I wish I had her to complain to, to vent to, like, I think that, that unfortunately for those of us who have lost people we love, like it is a repeated process as you go mm -hmm. through life because, you know, you're never gonna forget about your father. Like you're mm -hmm. not gonna forget that he existed. You're not gonna forget about the relationship he shared and the love that existed between the two of you. Like that actually leaves a permanent imprint on your brain. So you mm -hmm. couldn't forget about it if you tried. And right. so because of that, like we have to figure out what it looks like to live comfortable, whole, joyful lives without our people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, part of the thing that uh, I have just discovered, and I think uh, you speak about this as well in the book, I want to read a quote um, that I love. You said, whether it arrives before or a decade later, when you hold your newborn son in your arms and all you can see is your dead father's face, give yourself permission to feel grief to experience the fullness of it. Let it break your heart or let it make you smile because grief is love and both grief live on. I believe I, I, I hopefully said that correctly. Yeah, love and grief I mean, I read that like it's, not, it's not up to us like when it shows up. 
Um, and I wrote that, like I didn't name her in that section, but she's actually named elsewhere, like about a specific friend of mine um, whose mm-hmm. son is only a couple months older than mm-hmm. my son. And, you know, we had this whole, and this is the thing about grief, like you don't realize it right away, but you have become a part of a broader community of grievers. Like this is a person that I've only met in person once, but we know when these big happy life moments come about to check in on each other because there's nothing like the most joyful, amazing things in the world to make you miss your person. Um, and so that's, that's where that came from. But yeah, it's, it's hard. And I think, I think people, nobody wants to be sad, right? You know, nobody wants to feel like sadness, loss, that like icky heaviness that grief typically brings about. But unfortunately, it's just a part of being human. Yeah. Well, and I think that what I love so much about what you write and what you talk about is the is the fact that we need to recognize that it can continue to come in waves at different times over the course of your life. And yeah. it doesn't matter if you're a year out or 12 years out or 20 years out. No. You can you can feel a wave of that loss yeah. of you're looking at you know you're looking at your child a newborn child and you think ah yeah. oh. you know because yeah. of course what's what's overwhelming is that feeling of oh if only that person could be here to see this 100%. moment because maybe your whole life you knew that that's all they wanted was to see you have a child totally. right and that totally. to sit with that so. Can you give us a, a few ideas if you have some thoughts on yeah. what, when, when it happens and it kind of overtakes yeah. you, what, what's the, what's, what did, what do we do? Oh gosh. You know, I think it's different for everyone. Um, but I am someone, and I think based on just a quick glance at your bio, you are similarly situated. Like, I am a doer, you know, like I am a girl who always has a to-do list, who's always trying to like get things done and very committed to my work, you know, not a total workaholic, but like, that's like, that's just who I am. Like, I love being productive, love doing stuff. And so for me, what's really hard about when those waves come is I usually just, and I'm like holding onto the sides of my chair right now. Um, I usually just have to sit with it for some period of time. And sometimes that means like literally just laying on the floor of my office Mm. and doing, you know, either a meditation on one of my apps or even just like laying there, being honest about the fact that I feel sad, acknowledging it and seriously just being with it, which Mm -hmm. is really hard for someone who is constantly trying to be on the go and be productive and always has, you know, a million different other things to do. But for me, that practice of just, oh, I feel that, you know, deep breath and just spending time quietly by myself. I'm also a big fan of crying in the shower. Um, I love the water. And the Mm. nice thing about crying in the shower is you can make a really big mess of yourself and just like completely let it go 
and you emerge refreshed and clean, you know? So like that Mm. is, that it was definitely one of my go-tos when I was on tour for this book. And just for me, you know, I love hearing people's stories, but it also like got really heavy at a certain point, you know, like people Mm -hmm. coming up at events and telling me about their child who died, you know, like it just, Mm. it's just really hard. Um, So I'm Mm -hmm. all for a good shower cry. Um, I'm also a big fan of movement and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking at my Peloton bike right now, but maybe it's as simple as just going for a walk or Mm -hmm. yesterday for no clear reason at all. I was just in kind of a mood. So I had my own little 15 minute dance party, um, with some Mm. of my favorite songs from high school and college. Um, Mm. and then I, I have to say like, I am someone who has been in and out of therapy for over a decade now. You know, mm-hmm. if if you think, and, and in most cases, I do think that some sort of professional counseling is helpful. And if you're mm-hmm. listening and you're on the fence, and it's kind of like, oh, it's just annoying to have to find someone and, and it feels like too much, either ask someone for help, which like I have done this for people and I have had people do this for me where, you know, one of your close friends give them your insurance information and and ask them for help coming up with a few names. And the other thing I always say about therapy is people tend to think of a relationship with a therapist, like a spouse. Mm. They are not your spouse. You do not need to be with them for the rest of your life. I like to think of it more as like dating. You know, Mm -hmm. I am clear about my expectations. I'm clear about my boundaries. Can I get something out of this relationship? Most of the time the answer is yes. Um, Yeah. So yeah, those are some of my tips. Well, I love that. And I love, um, I love the fact that you take the time to think about both to sit with the, the sadness and sit with the happiness Yeah, because the sitting with it, that's the key that, that is a key for, for, I think people and something that it took me many years to understand is that you need to allow yourself to feel it, whatever it is that you're feeling yes. and to actually be self-aware and think yes. about it. Because yes. what I also learned, and I'm curious to hear your perspective on this over time, when I now um, think about my, you know, my father, I think about when I, I now see it as I'm honoring him. So there oh, is, yeah. So even if it's sadness, even if I'm feeling like, oh God, you know, this thing happened. And, you know, my dad was someone who cared a lot about, about, you know, working hard and achieving something that you set your mind to. So there are still times that I'm like, oh, I I wish dad could hear that that I worked hard on this thing. You know, I I mean, it it could be small, it could be a tiny thing, but to him, you know, it would be a big thing. You know what his response would be. Yes. And, and as much as it does make me sad to think about it, I also think to myself, I've gotten to a point where I think, okay, dad, I'm, you know, I'm honoring you by thinking about this and I'm getting choked up thinking about this, but it's, is that, is that a fair, do you, have you heard that before from people? Have you, do, yeah. does that resonate? No, it's real. So for me, and I, I said this uh, before we started recording the interview, you know, when I have those moments where I know that I am behaving in a way or living my life in a certain way or treating myself in a way that I know my mom would have wanted me to, mm. like that's when I know I'm doing the right thing. You know, so often we 
have these ideas about legacy and like honoring our loved ones that are very external, you know, mm. start a charity, give an award, have like a big fancy funeral, etc. But really what it's about is so much deeper and so much more internal. You know, like mm-hmm. I really think there is an interiority to it that is all about values because when you think about how you feel in those moments when you have those accomplishments connected to you know something you set your mind to and then worked hard to achieve and you think about your dad like you're thinking about your dad because of the values that he had that he instilled in you and so mm-hmm. like that like that to me is the legacy mhm mhm well and i think to the other thing that um that you mentioned also that i i'd love if you could talk a little bit about this too is I I think we tend to beat ourselves up about, yep. well, you know, it's been so long. What why yeah. am I still getting sad? I mean, snap out of it. Yep. <laughs> that, yep. that yep. you I know, that. that 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 feeling of, you know, okay, you need to move forward. You need to move yep. on here. Um, can you talk about a little bit about that this notion which we which I think you, you you talk about so so beautifully is about this notion of grace and giving yourself that grace to kind of go through this as you need to go through it. Yes. So two things. One, do not gaslight your grief. Like it is a very easy thing to do especially as time marches on. But why? Like who does that serve? Like you beating yourself up whether it's about that or like you know, you ate more cookies than you should have last night. You know what I mean? Like who, like that, that doesn't serve anyone. Right. And I think that we tend to do that with grief in particular, because we have these ideas about stages and timelines that are very dated and inaccurate. So first on the stages front, those stages were not developed for you or for me, but for people who were terminally ill themselves. And so somewhere that got lost, but I want everybody to know that. And then on the timelines front, I don't know who decided that after a year, you were just going to be done. Like it literally doesn't make sense. And this isn't just me speaking from my experience, but the research that sits beneath grief is love is something called the continuing bonds theory, which Mm -hmm. argues that one of the healthiest ways to move through the hardest parts of grief and truly live with loss is by finding ways to continue your bond with the person Mm. you lost. And so, you know, whether it's having those moments where you're like, oh my God, I know he'd be so proud and he'd totally get this, or, you know, maybe eating his favorite foods from time to whatever it is, but like, you know, you find your way to do that. And so on the grace front, because again, I only have, almost 15 years of experience, but I think that's pretty solid. Because grief doesn't end, you have to extend grace to yourself when you are finding yourself in it, especially, and this is where I struggle as like perfectionist overachiever person, but especially Mm -hmm. when it shows up during a time that is inconvenient or during a time when it is unexpected. Like Mm -hmm. you just have to be okay with it because it is a part of your life. And I really want people to get comfortable with the idea of having all of these complex and challenging emotions connected to loss because it's normal. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with you. Like this is the Mm -hmm. way that 
it's supposed to be. Like even animals have ways of processing grief. Like we just don't, we don't create a lot of space for feelings in this country. Mm -hmm. And they're just a part of being human. Mm -hmm. So what role does, you talk about the role that self-care plays, you know, what role that plays in the process of grieving. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think, I, I think I realized when I was doing work on this book and also at the same time recovering from our pregnancy loss, mm-hmm. you know, my ideas of self-care were probably similar to most people's, you know, get a massage, uh, go get my nails done and maybe like buy a dress, put on a face mask, whatever. Self-care has very much been commodified in that way. And I love mm-hmm. all of those things to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all about going to a spa, but I realized when I said no to fertility treatments and to Mm. continuing to try to get pregnant, that Mm. self-care is something deeper. Like it is about Mm. really being honest and intentional about what you need to be okay today. Like it might change tomorrow. It might be something different next week. But with grief, we need to expand our definition of self-care to Mm. include not only things that you say yes to that are good for you, but also the Mm. things that you say no to. You know, Mm -hmm. I was doing an interview this morning with a woman who is in the midst of a, a grief experience, like very deep in it herself right now. And she said she had always been the type of person who would just shove the feelings down and like press on, especially when it came to professional things. And she realized when the pandemic hit and she also had this grief situation that she was dealing with that like, she just couldn't do that anymore. So for her, it was again about saying no and setting really intentional boundaries around her time and her workload in order to protect herself. Mm. And so I want to give people permission to define self-care on their own terms um because yeah i think i think like so many things in our culture it it has been this commodified you know sort of light-hearted thing and and i actually think it's it's deeper than that when you apply it to grief yeah well you you mentioned as you as we started the conversation that you expected that because you kind of knew that you know you had some time to come to terms with the fact that your mother was ill and that she was um you know had this uh this uh the cancer that was going to be um you know ultimately uh end her life you thought you were prepared you thought that in some ways you were prepared can i ask if there is is there a way to prepare like if you have some time, I mean, some people yeah. don't even get the time. Like you, you know, one, it happens yeah. one minute, you don't expect it, but let's say you have some time. Is there a way to prepare for grief? And are there so, things that people should do? Here's what I will say. Um, there is a way to prepare for death. Like mm-hmm. I think my logistical preparations were actually useful because they mm-hmm. gave me something to orient myself around when it first happened Mm, which mm -hmm. which was like actually in some ways very helpful you know like already knowing what she wanted around her funeral and and knowing that she wanted most of her possessions donated to charity like things like that like 
are helpful, I think, and they are important and they are things that I think more people should do. Um, preparing for grief though, I think the only thing that you can do if you know ahead of time that you're gonna lose someone you love is to really be intentional about how you're caring for yourself leading up to that moment. You know, mm. is there a therapist that maybe you start seeing ahead of time so that that resource is already locked in when the worst mm. thing happens? Um, you know, are you even like very basic things? Like, are you drinking enough water? Are you remembering to eat? Like things like that, that seem very obvious. I literally wasn't really doing them before my mom died. You know, I, I had lost mm -hmm. 25 pounds in the lead up because mm -hmm. I was completely consumed by anxiety that was not being appropriately managed. Um, mm -hmm. Are you sleeping? Like I was not sleeping before my mm -hmm. mom died. Like literally the nights were my nemesis because for me, every night meant that I was one day closer to her death. Mm -hmm. And like, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't handle that. And so I would sleep maybe like three or four hours a night, even medicated. And so like, mm -hmm. I think there are things that those like just very basic health and like personal care things that I wish someone had encouraged me to do instead of just focusing every single thing, 110% on my mom and what was coming. I think that might've helped me a little bit when it happened just to be a healthier person. Um, but mm -hmm. They're really beyond that. I, I don't think there's anything you can do because death changes us and right. you don't know exactly what that transformation is going to look like until it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, but I think um, what you're saying though, the, uh, the idea that you, you need to allow yourself to go through it and take, take as long as it needs to, to, to do that, yeah. but sit and really reflect on yeah. what's happening, both the positive feelings and the negative feelings. Yes. To really sit and 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 take it in. I think that, you know, we are to your point earlier, we are a people and just maybe human nature is such that we do we think, oh, let's we need to move forward. Yeah. But it's but it's okay maybe even to think of it as, and that's the point that I came to was like, okay, it's okay if I'm having, uh, if I'm crying about this, I'm crying because I totally can't tell okay. my dad this thing. Yeah. And he, and it's years later, it's okay yeah. to do that. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm honoring him. You know, yeah. I mean, what's like, what's the thing that I think we fear the most is we fear of being, we fear of being forgotten. Right. Yes. So yes. think about if you think about it from that perspective. I love that. I love that yep. framing. And I, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but that framing, like I mm -hmm. literally got goosebumps, like, cause you're right. That is the worst thing. Like thinking about being on this earth for however long you're here and nobody remembering you. So like, yes, mm -hmm. like you are, you are keeping them alive. And I think, I think we need to redefine what it means to move on. Like, my life has absolutely moved on since I lost my mom. You know, I moved to a new city. I had a career in the Obama administration. I've got a wonderful husband and a child and, you know, all of these things. But yes. like, I am still connected to the woman who raised me, mm -hmm. who died mm -hmm. over a decade ago. And like, nothing yes. is going to break that connection. Like, why, why would I want it to? Um, yes. And so I think, 
I think redefining moving on as learning to live with your loss on your terms. And it mm-hmm. should look different for you than the way it looks for me, but just mm-hmm. that commitment to to really to really being okay with the fact that grief is a part of your life because this person really mattered to you. Yes. Yes. And that you're giving them their due, their respect, their flowers, whatever it is, you're giving that to them, even while they're no longer, you know, here kind of breathing day, you know, day to day, but in, in in that memory of them. I love that. Well, Marissa, Thank you so much for spending this time with us. If people want to follow you and all of the wonderful stuff that you're doing, learn also more about your amazing career. You briefly mentioned this amazing career you've had working <laughs> in the Obama administration. Where, how, but how can it, people follow you if they'd like to do that? So I am Marissa Renee Lee everywhere, uh, including my website, marissarenealee.com. If you want to sign up for my infrequent but always useful newsletter and you can buy grief is love everywhere target amazon barnes and noble independent bookstores etc so yeah i hope i hope we can stay connected this was wonderful yeah thank you thank you for listening to she speaks how she does it we hope that this episode inspired you in your own experience and path towards success Be sure to like and subscribe to follow our series of conversations. We'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. So join the conversation at She Speaks Up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. You can also join She Speaks at shespeaks.com. Thanks for listening. We look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for listening. If you're an influencer or a brand that wants to work with us, please feel free to email us at info at Until next time.